and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marian Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. Welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marion Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. Today, we're talking to Matt Somerville of Two Bloke Cider. Hi, Matt. Hello. So, Matt, tell us about Two Bloke Cider. So, Two Bloke Cider grew out of a desire to find a future for farming. Um, my family's been in this uh, township for uh, a number of generations, and uh, and I grew up um, as a farm kid, and uh, I always wanted to return back to Port Perry, but I always knew that I needed to kind of spread my wings and kind of go see the rest of the world. So I ended up kind of going into the, I've always had a design background and uh, ended up going into uh, architecture at U of T originally, uh, and then left and went, well, finished that program up, uh, wrapped up into arch, uh, into urban planning. And uh, and it was in that time frame between architecture and urban planning that um, I realized that I, I had a really unique perspective in that I came from a farming background. I had access to land and I had an interest in trying to figure out a different way of approaching land that wasn't just developing it and turning it into new houses. Um, at the time that I was in university, the BSE crisis, so Mad Cow was going through Canada mm -hmm. and our farm ended up uh, basically selling off all of our cows. Uh, and so it was during that time that the barn went quiet. And so we, we, were, a, we were a small calf cow operation with a cash crop um, uh, business as well. Uh, my parents both worked jobs off the farm. So my dad worked at GM, my mom was a nurse. And uh, we, um, <laughs> Like it, the, the, it was, it was quite shocking, uh, and it kind of brought a whole pile of issues to me in terms of, you know, what is the future of farming, uh, and how, where's my role in that? Uh, coming from a fifth generation farmer, uh, was where I was, I was it going to end with me? Um, the line ends with me personally. I'm the last Somerville, uh, but was the farming side going to end with me? So I ended up going off to. Um, uh, into urban planning. Uh, my area focused always uh, focused around architecture, sorry, around um, around uh, yeah, old farmsteads, agriculture, and uh, trying to figure out ways of integrating those into new developments. Um, generally, uh, <laughs> pretty unsuccessfully, uh, developers will kind of, uh, they'll keep it an old farmhouse, but they won't keep the farmstead. Um, and there's value in the farmstead in, in terms of its like both its agricultural value as well as its cultural heritage uh, landscape value from the hedgerows, the barns, all those elements. Um, but then it was a question of how do you program it? And so I was pushing for like agriculture, um, agricultural urbanism, and the idea of integrating farming into new developments. Um, I made some progress uh, with uh, some uh, projects in, uh, in in Toronto, 
Um, but it's really the the suburbs where the wild things are happening. So I left the uh, public, uh, the private sector, and um, and it was during that time between my break between the the private and the public that I, I kind of well I took a, a sabbatical and I went to uh, the UK uh, to study what was happening in the green belt there. So uh, they're around London. They have a green belt, uh, looking at economic development, uh, rural development, uh, agricultural development, and uh, I was also doing uh, research in terms of trying to figure out a future of the farm, which having the background. Um, a couple of years previous to that, I had been in the UK and uh, had tasted some cider, and uh, it kind of opened my mind to uh, mm. the cider that I had tried making as a kid uh, with my family, and uh, and it was from an old orchard that was in front of our house, uh, and we uh, it it. I came back to work at that farm that I tasted that cider from. So I, I was doing research in London, uh, working in London, and then going out to cider farms uh, in the New Forest in the West Country, uh, and uh, uh, came back uh, relatively, and maybe about six months after, seven months after coming, uh, going to the UK, uh, absolutely broke because London's very expensive, uh, and it was 2008, and it was uh, with the, uh, the 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 boom and the bust, uh, bust. kind of yeah. The 2008 downturn was pretty pretty awful in London. Uh, so I um, came back to came back, uh, got a job working in the public sector, and I wanted to work and and find out what was happening in the suburbs. Um, worked uh they are trying to push the same kind of things uh ended up saying you know this is not going to make i'm not i'm a cog in a machine as a as a municipal employee i'm not able to make decisions i'm, I'm kind of just uh pushing the the paper and kind of you know providing the, the 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 answers that the developers want um and i said you know this is going to be the you know the way that i need to do this is to launch my own cidery uh and to take this back to the farm and to and to basically use the farm as um as an incubator for my own ideas uh and that's where the cidery uh, emerged from and tell us about uh, a cider in the uk culture like where does it where does a cidery fit in there why have they why are we seeing cideries now in Ontario that we didn't see before? I mean, the microbreweries came along, but we haven't really seen the cideries until more recently. So how did that all come to pass? So in the UK, uh, and the same thing goes in Canada, uh, cider was um, a currency uh, for farm workers uh, and farm uh, farmers. Uh, so if you were a farm worker, a traveling farm worker, or if you're uh, looking for, for help, um, you would be making cider and you'd be providing cider to uh, to those farm hands. Uh, and it was kind of, a, it was the known as, the, it was the peasant's drink, kind of post, um, uh, kind of the, the post-industrialization, pre-industrialization, actually, it was uh, the drink of the aristocracy, which is uh, quite funny that it kind of fell to the next level, but it was when winemaking became much more prominent in France and, and wine kind of took up the place of, of cider. Um, but in, in the UK, that culture never really disappeared. Uh, the apples arrived with the Romans, and uh, they were the ones that, that originally planted the, like, cider comes from, uh, from Roman culture uh, originally. And um, they left these wild trees, which uh, the peasants and, you know, the, the, the serfs found uh, made amazingly great cider, made a great, amazingly great alcohol. And so it kind of indoctrinated itself into their culture. Um, in Canada, 
there was a, as a requirement as part of your settlement in uh, the country when you're uh, setting up your farm, uh, you had to plant an orchard. This is both uh, similar in both Canada and the United States. Uh, you had to plant uh, a, a small orchard. And so that culture percolated over. And so that was that, that, that settler orchard was the one that my family uh, used to make the cider that I then remembered as a kid when I went back to the UK. Um, there, the different, like in terms of the, the culture really hasn't gone away in the, in the UK. Uh, what has happened in the last, I'd say 20 years is that it's grown quite substantially. Um, there has been a desire to uh, find authenticity in an authentic authentic experience. Um, farming and and agriculture are like naturally authentic things because it's, it's very tangible. Uh, and cider kind of ties really well in with that. Um, on the beer side, craft beer has been exploding. You know, uh, actually, craft beer in North America exploded before craft beer in the UK. Um, so I would say that I was seeing. Like my background, I was a uh, uh, rugby player as well, and uh, we would do rugby trips um, to the UK, and I'd go over there. I had friends and family in the UK, uh, and I saw a growth in uh, the cider world from the late 90s to the mid-2000s to the 2010s, and I saw a similar trajectory happening here uh, previously on the beer side. So I said, well, you know, this is where there's a there's there's a there's a thread that's happening and there's something that's starting but really it comes back down to apples and so we took an apples first approach at our farm so we planted the orchard in 2014 um and uh and it's just coming into it takes four years five years for the trees to come into production and we planted specifically english and french cider apples uh which are like planting um cabernet or you know uh, shiraz grapes uh they aren't to be eaten they are to be uh turned into alcohol uh they just don't taste very good so so no one really grows them here uh so like you know you'd find a few of them in in these wild orchards but uh that's kind of where um uh, where cider, you know, it, 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 it comes from the plant and it's, but because the plant's been native to the UK, it's taken a while for it to come here. And now it's, now it's, uh, now it's exploding here in Ontario and, and, uh, and, uh, and across North America. Wow. Very cool. So what kind of roadblocks did you come across being in a rural, in, in this rural community specifically about, uh, setting up a cidery? Were there, uh, roadblocks for you or there ch- what kind of challenges did you face? Uh, well, luckily enough, I was an urban planner. That's a uh, number one thing. Uh, uh, that helped get over some roadblocks. The, the biggest roadblock that I faced was, um, a lack of understanding, um, at the regional and local level, uh, to on-farm diversification, uh, and the idea of adding businesses that aren't just commodity-driven businesses. So as a planner, um, people, planning by by definition is an urban kind of based uh, industry. So most planners that are urban, or most planners are, are from the city. They don't understand rural areas. Um, the same goes across the board for even planners within uh, municipalities. Like the, the rules that are written uh, aren't necessarily uh, written by farmers for farmers. And, uh, and there's, 
in, in a level of innovation that's happening at the same point as well. So there's um, there's your base commodities. People understand that you know MDS is minimum distance separations uh, from uh, from kind of noxious uses like uh, pig farms or um, you know the houses. But the idea of doing agritourism starts and and kind of uh, farm stays and the idea of kind of softening that uh, from an industrial scale of agriculture to a much smaller scale of agriculture still isn't quite well defined. Um, uh, it's there's there's guidelines at the at the provincial level, uh, but the province is going to tell each municipality and region how to implement those guidelines, mm. and so the uh, the issue is is that uh, that the zoning bylaws and the regional ops uh, and the local ops official plans they don't get written um, they get written every five for five years uh, so these these guidelines come out and they just aren't up to date with what uh, is coming on like coming down the pipeline. So yeah, it's a um, it it's been it's been a challenge. Uh, I'm lucky that I have a background in in urban planning because um, I was able to write my own justification reports. I was able to uh, you know challenge uh, challenge things, but uh, my God, it's been tough. It's been a, it's and that fun. was just to set up not the orchard but the actual cidery itself. <laughs> That's right? the zoning side of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then beyond that, it's like the yes, yeah, the it's the um, uh, the approvals, uh, the like the transfers of the license, the uh, just there's been I'm doing this because I love it, because I have a history in this in this area and because I, I love this this neighborhood. If I didn't have the history that I have in this area, I probably wouldn't have set up in this space. There's other municipalities and other areas that are more um, uh, uh forward thinking, I would say, uh, than, than this area. And it's a shame. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to show as a, I, there's a million, there's a million people behind me in the line and I'm trying to like going to clear a path so that the next person behind us has an easier go of it than I had, or the person in front of me has had, uh, in terms of getting approvals through because, um, the future is, diversification uh, and uh, and because if we just have uh, large corporate farms we're gonna have no family farms we're just gonna have large super farms and that's not really the history of this area this history of this area and our and our food sustainability in the future needs to be smaller we need to kind of start bringing things this scale back down again so describe um, two bloke cider to somebody uh, coming to visit so people the public can come and visit two bloke cider it's not a closed farm that they can't come to the public can come and taste cider mm. describe it to people so um, i took over um uh one of the one of the rules uh is with this guidelines is that it, it encourages the, the provincial guidelines is that it encourages the reuse of existing agricultural structures for on-farm diversified use so i said okay sure i'll do that so uh, so we uh, kicked my dad out of his implement shed, uh, which is just, was, was just a pole barn. Um, and, uh, and we ended up um, uh, reusing that. So the farm is still an active family farm. My parents are in their uh, late 70s, mid 70s, late 70s. Uh, and this is kind of a little bit of a farm succession uh, element as well. So the farm is operating, my parents have sheep, uh, my dad still does cash cropping, so I'm helping him with, you know, connecting machinery, um, you know, kind of doing things that he can't do now. But, you know, when you're sitting in a tractor, you can kind of do most things. Uh, and then from 
on our side, we're operating um, just slightly behind the, the farm, uh, which can be accessed by a separate driveway um, beside the beside the uh, the barnyard. And uh, and that takes you around the back, and then that's where the orchard is. So there's uh, six and a half acres that we planted uh, the French and English cider apples. Um, the patio looks out onto the orchard, uh, and um, and the idea that we're trying to go with is um, that you don't need to be kind of kitschy country. Uh, I'm a modern kind of guy. I'm a modernist. And so uh, the space that we've created is clean. It's bright. It's, it's, it's very modern. Um, it's not, we're trying not to be cold. Uh, it's still connected deeply with, with the place. And so the windows will always look out and connect to the views. Uh, and so it's a, uh, it's a, it's a kind of an integrated farm experience. You know, there's, there's sheep roaming the orchard in the springtime, uh, my dad's running back and forth with the tractor, um, and it's uh, it's an active farm, and, and I think people are looking for that kind of experience. Yeah. So yeah, people have really kind of have commented how uh, that you know they've been surprised by both how how clean and modern everything is, but then also how like how it's just an actual down to it's, earth. It's a real farm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you've repurposed the barn too, right? So that it's getting used. For example, the first wing of May, the Lake Scugog Studio Tour you know, they end up with more, um, artists than they have studios. And so mm. they're moving into your barn during yeah. that weekend. So what else have you got planned for it? Well, the, uh, the barn is, uh, we renovated that space for our wedding, uh, back in 20, uh, 2015. Um, and um, I'm sorry, 2014. We got to remember my my, in my marriage date. Oh goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got married in 2014, and uh, and the the we we renovated the I guess a century, you know, 1880s barn. Um, redid all the flooring, redid all the electrical, um, so we can use it for private and uh, kind of personal gatherings. Um, uh, it's still an active barn downstairs, uh, which is kind of an interesting kind of juxtaposition of uses. Uh, so I don't think I'll ever have a wedding, uh, you know, invite other weddings to be in that space. I, I can't, but uh, we can host smaller events there. And so this summer, um, we're going to be doing some long table dinners uh, out in the orchard. Uh, we're going to be doing some, uh, some events up in the barn. So we, we fitted up the space to be able to host, uh, movie nights, um, uh, music events. Uh, and, uh, and then we're, uh, we're launching some additional, uh, programs, uh, or some additional events. So, uh, I'm gay. So, uh, what we're, uh, what we're doing is a, uh, gays in general don't stick around the country overall it's kind of we, we run from the country not to the country uh so i'm challenging that a little bit on this one and so we're doing a little bit of a, of a queers to the country uh, event so we're bringing um uh, uh drag performers uh uh djs uh authors uh artisans uh out to the country uh later this summer uh for a two-day festival uh, and that's going to be kind of exciting. So I'm kind of I'm I'm working really hard to get that put together. And what's the festival called then? You... Queers to the country. Oh, that is. So what you're... cheers okay, to cool. the country. Cheers. Queers to the country, okay. and and right. queers to the country, as in like run to the country because we usually run to the city. It's you know a safety and numbers kind of situation. So the idea is to uh, is to challenge uh, you know what the what's happening in the country and to make it uh, you know it, open up the space a little bit more. Like I'm sure. You know, we're we've come a long way in the last whatever 10, 15 years, but uh, I, I think that there's still uh, a hangover, and I think the idea of getting people out of the uh, 
uh, out of the city is is a good thing. Uh, people, you know, uh, people. We're an urban community. Gays are they are looking for that kind of authentic experience as much as everyone else. Yes. And we've all lost our minds for the last two years. You know, being hived away on, on our own. And so, if there's one thing that uh, uh, that my people like, they like to party. So, uh, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a good little a little sh- uh, hoedown in in the country. So it'll be kind of fun. And outside in the fresh air. You got and... it. Yeah. So we'll have some food trucks. We've got live. We have uh, a rotating food truck program uh, beginning May 2-4 weekend uh, and then ending on Labor Day weekend. So that's going to be highlighting local uh, food trucks and local food providers that are just starting up. Um, and then we're doing a live music uh, program uh, that's going to be focusing on uh, focusing on artisans from Belleville, uh, Halliburton, Kawartha's, York Region, the swath that kind of goes from Lake Ontario to Young Street, uh, which is a pretty big swath. So we're working with a, a, a music um, uh, a music person or a music uh, coordinator from Peterborough uh, who's putting out the calls. And so that's going to be kind of exciting. So that's going to be Friday nights. Uh, it's going to be kind of a more upbeat event. Uh, Saturday nights is going to be a marquee event. And then Sunday afternoons is going to be an acoustic event. Fabulous. That sounds great. So... Um, Matt, how are going to people? How are people going to keep in touch and find out, like, twobookcider.com? What's the dot ca? We're dot Canadian, CA. Okay. so uh, yes, we're we so follow us on Instagram at okay. Two Bloke Cider or Facebook at Two Bloke Cider. Uh, we've got our website at www.twoblokes.ca. And uh, aside from that, uh, we're going to be um, we're going to be posting up our information uh, both locally in the paper uh, as well as on our our, our road sign down uh, on Simcoe Street. So we're trying to hit the locals, trying to hit the uh, uh, and then trying to hit the larger a larger wider audience. Yeah, and just you know, what do you think uh, it, pros and cons of being? as close to Toronto as this rural community is. So, you know, it's an hour and, what, 15 minutes. So we have uh, on our doorstep about 6.5 million people, which uh, most areas in Canada would be dying to have uh, within a close proximity. Uh, this area has the ability to capture those people, uh, both day trips um, and then growing into overnight experiences. I, I think that this area has a lot of ability to mimic what was going on in Hudson Valley. Um, and, uh, and to, you know, the New York City was within an hour's drive of, of the Hudson Valley, uh, which is now, you know, the, it is, it is, the, it is a cool, it is a cool oh, area. Oh yeah, there's, I've spent time in Kingston, New York. There's yeah, a like, great uh, caustic paint and manufacturer down there and they do classes and things and just And it's the great culinary, area. like they've got great food, they've got great farms, like they've their mm-hmm. butts off trying to develop that. I think that this area has the potential to be the Hudson Valley of the North. I think that um, Prince Edward County, uh, you know, I love it, but it's a two and a half hour drive from Toronto uh, down the 401 to get to. Uh, I see Durham, I see North Durham specifically as half the distance, all the fun. And that's really where we want to take this. And so I'm using uh, arts and culture and uh, food and you know trying to build connections between the different municipalities 
uh, to create that uh, that buzz so that we aren't just a pass through area. We're actually an area that people want to visit through and want to visit to um, and want to experience uh, not just for a day, but for longer and 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 kind of build out that way. So I'm excited for, you know, the, this summer, I think is going to be kind of, a you know, us turning up the volume, you know, to 11. But uh Going forward, there's there's so much more of the spinoffs that can come out of out of uh, not just our business because if we're just one uh, one business, there's there's the idea of kind of bringing building up the symphony of other uh, businesses, culinary artisans, uh, culinary um, culinary artisans. Uh, yeah, I guess they're culinary artisans, sure. uh, and uh, as well as just everyone everyone in the area, just trying to build out and raise those voices. And I and I see us having the ability to. Um, offer a platform for that. So I'm excited to be able to uh, to participate. Oh, well, I'm really excited. Like I was just so excited when you first opened and thought it was great. And now that you're doing all these other plans, it's just fabulous. Amazing. Keep her, keep it, keep it innovation, you know, keep, uh, sorry, keep it innovating. That's the idea is, you know, yeah. keep the innovation happening. Yeah. So and has, have fun doing it. Right? Yeah. You have to go, you have to have fun while you're doing you got it. stuff in, in, uh, this world today, don't we? Thank you, Matt Somerville of Two Bloke Cider. This Goodness. has been really great. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Chi uh, Megwetch, to everybody for spending time with us today. Thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and join us every week for another episode of Art Waves. 